You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Abby. And I'm Sarah. Today we're going to talk about how we prioritize reading. But first, let's catch up on Life Lately. And today we have a special joint Life Lately for you. Abby, would you like to start us off? I got an email from Neil, your spouse, (laughs) sometime in January that said, Sarah has had a really hard year. I would really love to do a special thing for her birthday. I would love to get some out-of-town and in-town friends together to celebrate her. Are you in? And I was like, 100%. (laughs) So this weekend, we came to Bloomington. Yes. We were doing our regular Saturday morning stuff. I was expecting to meet two local friends for brunch. And when I showed up, they waved me over. And then I saw three of my good out-of-town friends there as well. I cried. It was wonderful. I was very surprised. And we had a great weekend together. We ate a ton of food. It was short. I would say we were together for about 24 hours, but Mm -hmm. we enjoyed all the time, played games, ate the things, talked a lot, and I felt very loved and will remember that birthday for a long time to come. It was super fun. I'll also say that it had kind of the vibe of a really small wedding where you get to meet and interact with Mm -hmm. the people that someone you really love loves. The world's colliding aspect. Yes. That was probably one of my favorite parts. Yeah. I love when my people meet my people. (laughs) (laughs) And another amazing part of it was that Neil spent the weeks before cleaning the house Mm. in depth, pulling out the stove, sweeping under that, wiping off ceiling fans, just things we never do. <laughs> and it was because people were going to stay at our house. He told me that that was his birthday gift to me, was cleaning the house. I'm hoping that that part continues every year because it's been really nice to have our just super deep cleaned home for the last week. Great work, Neil. <laughs> Great work, Neil. Now let's talk about what we've been reading. Abby, what is your latest read? I recently finished Mother Wit, an Alabama midwife's story by Ani Lee Logan as told to Catherine Clark. So this is an autobiography that is presented as an oral history of Ani Lee Logan, who was a black woman who was a midwife in Alabama from about the 1930s to the 1980s. It is basically just she told her life story as she remembered it, Mm -hmm. to Catherine Clark, and that's how it's written down. And I'm sure there was plenty of editing that went into it, but the voice in this book is so strong Mm -hmm. that that was one of my favorite parts. And it's not an easy read because oral history and narration is really different than how most books are written. Right. But it made me feel so much more like I knew her Mm -hmm. than I think someone else writing it would have, even if they had still written it in first person. So that was really awesome. And there was so much that I liked about this book. It was really fascinating. I felt like it was a really important look at the life and work and subsequent marginalization of a grand midwife. And this happened across the Southeast to Black women who had this tradition of midwifery in their family passed down from the time when they were forcibly brought here as enslaved people, Mm -hmm. where it was Black women who held this knowledge of midwifery and delivered babies, both Black and white, but that was not their only job. They were the holders of knowledge and tradition for the whole 
Black community in the South. And so to hear her story, which is sort of starting out working as a midwife during the Depression, basically, and then serving Black and white families in the Deep South throughout her whole life, essentially, until the point at which basically the state took over and started outlawing Black midwives by refusing to license them, Hmm. which is what happened in most states in the South. I mean, it was just a really powerful story. And midwifery has been really important in my life and in the life of our family. And so it's something I'm really interested in. It's something I've thought about for a career change, which stay tuned, that still could happen. But I just think it's so important as a white person to hear this story and to acknowledge this part of our history. And I really loved it and would recommend it to anyone. Yeah, it sounds incredibly powerful. What have you been reading, Sarah? I recently read Being Your Best When Your Kids Are at Their Worst by Kim John Payne. And he is also the author of Simplicity Parenting, which mm-hmm. I know I've talked about multiple times on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And Goodreads sends out those emails where it says, books coming out next month by authors that you've read. Oh, interesting. And that's often how I find my next read. Mm. This one came at the perfect time. I thought, oh, I already love Simplicity Parenting. We've been having a lot of challenges around parenting. This is exactly what I need. I will say it is very woo-woo. So be prepared going into it to keep your mind open. (laughs) And if that is not something you're interested in, maybe it's not the book for you. (laughs) I loved how specific it was. Here is a thing you can do every day that will help you when a challenging situation arises. And he calls it the compassionate response. And it has to do with envisioning your both your best and worst parenting selves. And you can also do it for your child, envisioning their best self and Mm. them when they're really struggling and how you can kind of meld those two together and really see the whole picture. And I just found it very moving and practical at the same time. Mm. And I do think it has made me calmer and I think it's allowed me to zoom out. I think a lot of the parenting conversation when people get together is about sharing those challenges and telling each other that that's okay. We all get frustrated and angry and say the wrong things to our kids. And I think that's true, but I also want to do better and be better. You know, I'm raising these people and I want to do that well. I don't want to just excuse my bad behavior as, oh, that's just how it is. Things are frustrating. And Mm -hmm. I feel like he acknowledged that frustration, but then also gave you a way out. That's so nice to have something that's prescriptive. Just try this. See if it works. Mm -hmm. Yes. I would recommend it to anyone who feels like they're having trouble remaining calm and collected when challenges in parenting arise, but do go into it knowing that there is that more spiritual aspect. So if you don't think that will resonate with you, proceed with caution. Let's move into our main segment today, which is more talk about reading. I think it was our second episode where we just had a general reading discussion, Mm -hmm. and we'll link to that in the show notes. But we thought we would zero in on how we prioritize reading in our everyday life. Let's start with, on a daily basis, where do you fit in reading, and how has that changed over the years? 
I mostly read before bed, which is really pretty consistent. Throughout my life, I have read before bed. It's a good way to relax. I usually have a little bit of trouble turning my mind off, and so reading is good for that as well. I occasionally these days read during the day if a book I'm reading is really compelling and I can read it while my kids are awake and playing. It has to be either good enough to keep me in it while there is distracting stuff happening or easy to leave and come back to, just reading in little snatches or whatever. If I don't have work to do, I love to read during nap time, but I almost always have work to do. (laughs) Fair. What about you, friend? Lately, I have been reading in the morning before the kids are up, Mm. that I've been going to sleep very early and then trying to get in at least half an hour, if not an hour, before they wake up. That is obviously not a guaranteed time slot (laughs) due to varied wake-up times. I also read in the evening, but... There has just been less time from the kids' bedtime to mine lately, and I have been trying to go to sleep earlier to make sure that I can get as much sleep as I want. And because of that, I'm also really tired in that hour between when the kids go to bed and when I do, Mm. and often find myself drifting off and having trouble focusing on books. Uh It has sometimes felt easier to just surf the internet and do other more mindless things Mm -hmm. in that time before I'm ready to go to sleep. When the kids were younger, I almost always read during nap time. I was a firm believer that I should not do any kind of chores during that time. Mm -hmm. That was an opportunity for me to get what I need out of the day. And so I would usually read then. And I also find a lot of small pockets that I think we'll talk about as the conversation continues. It's often presented that Having young kids and reading for pleasure are not compatible, Mm. but for both of us, we've been reading more since we've had kids than we ever did before. Yeah, definitely. Why do you think that's been the case for you? I think for me, reading is this very easy way to connect to feeling like a self Yes, and not just a parent and not just a science writer, but it's this way to reclaim who I am that is very easy to access in the midst of parenting. So, you know, Mm -hmm. before I had kids, I did lots of things that were more outside the house to connect with being a self. Like I played ultimate or I volunteered with our dog or went out to dinner or drinks whenever I wanted to. And all of those things are much less accessible because of the time they require outside the home. Mm -hmm. And so I have read more because that's how I can reclaim who I am at my core and not a role that I'm playing. Yeah, I 100% agree. What I put down is that it helps me maintain this connection to who I was before being a parent and who I will be after my kids leave the house, that it feels like this constant. And during those years when I was home full time, Mm -hmm. it felt like a way to keep myself intellectually engaged and connected to the adult world and separate from the challenges I was experiencing in parenting. And since parenting felt like so much of my world, Mm. reading has been this slice that I've carved out that isn't about who I am related to my children. Totally. So even though we both prioritize reading. We also both have reading slumps. Mm -hmm. What is it that usually takes up that time that you usually spend reading when you are in a slump? 
phone games. Mm-hmm. See, previous discussion of Crushing Candy and Merge Dragons. <laughs> Still do a lot of that while also reading a lot. <laughs> yeah, both and. <laughs> and Facebook for me. I just have groups on Facebook that I love and never want to give up. And so I spend a lot of time there. Yeah. For me, these past weeks, it has been obsessively following Elizabeth Warren organizers on Twitter. Nice. And the election as a whole. Mm -hmm. Feel great about that. Last fall, it was definitely Dance Moms. Right now, I don't have a TV show that feels compelling that I want to spend my time watching. Mm -hmm. So it's mostly just been surfing the internet about the election. Not sure how that will change until the end of the year. (laughs) Yeah. I think I'll still be doing plenty of that. It's going to be a long year. Indeed. So what do you do to get yourself back into reading after a slump? Romance novels are a surefire re-entry point for me every time. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's pretty recent, definitely since I had kids. But even within the last couple years, I feel like I was not reading as much romance as I am now on a very Mm -hmm. regular basis, especially authors that I know that I love. I have not exhausted the full catalog of what they've written. So it's almost always available. It's almost always you can get it on your Kindle this very moment from the Mm -hmm. library. And so it's really great to just figure out something else that Courtney Milan wrote that I can just download immediately (laughs) and start reading right away. Yes. Sometimes audiobooks that I know are going to be compelling and short, like celebrity memoirs, are Mm -hmm. a good re-entry for me as well. But that's often something where, unless it's something that's really old that I haven't listened to yet, it's going to be like a wait list situation. So if I want to get back out of the slump right then, Mm -hmm. I usually go for the romance. Yes. I also need to pick a book that I know I will love. I always have a lot of books that I want to read and a lot of things coming in at any given week at the library Mm -hmm. because, you know, put my holds in and then it takes a while for them to come in. But there are different scales of want. Yes. And a lot of times the books that, yeah, I want to read that, but I don't want to stop everything that I'm doing to make sure that I can finish it or stay up late or wake up early and squeeze it in at every moment. And that's what I need to get back into reading. Mm Mm-hmm. I also love romance. I also love YA fantasy novels and Mm -hmm. dystopian novels. Yep. Those I find very compelling. Other things that help are setting boundaries around using my phone in the evening Mm. because there is such limited time that if I just put it away and then pick up a book, I will enjoy doing that. But if I start with the Elizabeth Warren Twitter, I'm going to be there probably until I'm going to sleep, Mm -hmm. (laughs) going down some rabbit holes. So it's about both giving myself the time to read and having something that is exciting enough to want to do. Mm -hmm. How do you use different book formats and how does that help you prioritize reading? So audio versus paper versus ebook. My current order of preference is ebook first. Mm Mm-hmm then audiobook, then paper book. And that's Mm. my preference because that's the easiest for me to read. It's the easiest for me to be reading a book on my Kindle versus trying to listen to an audiobook while my kids are trying to talk to me versus paper books, which feel really cumbersome and annoying. They're annoying to read in bed, which is where I do most of my reading. 
Why are they annoying in bed? Because of how you have to hold them. Hmm. I like to lay on my side and read. And so then if I have fewer pages on the part that's going to be at the bottom, then the book Mm -hmm. is like flapping around and like I'm like, (laughs) you know, actually using muscles to hold it up. Okay. So it's a logistical challenge. (laughs) Also, Pepper is in a page ripping phase. So it's actually dangerous for library books to be around when he's up. Uh Uh-huh. Especially if it's something that I'm into because he's like, oh, what are you into? I really want to be into that, too. And his way of being into it is like eating it or ripping it. So uh-huh. he can't hurt the Kindle in the same way. I fit in a lot of audiobooks while pushing Plum in the stroller in the early years for her. Mm-hmm. She would sleep in there or she would just talk to herself. But she's kind of a unicorn child in that way. She was just so easy in terms of like self-amusement. But as I've already talked about on the pod, the Kindle was life-changing for me this past year. Yeah. I also want to give a shout out to the ebooks and audiobooks from the library, which have made it possible for me to get free books without leaving the house, which I think (laughs) is totally crucial as a parent. Yes. Since I've been working at the library, that is not an issue for me. I feel Mm. like I'm coming home with books almost every day to the point where my stack is to that overwhelming point where yes. it's like, I'm so behind. I'm never going to finish them. Why should I even start feeling? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I have been coming around more to the Kindle. Mm. As we have talked about, I've been back and forth, but I have been loving it in certain scenarios. I love having it in my purse because it's so lightweight and easy and the book isn't getting damaged in there with right. lots of other things. And then I can fit it in in the five minutes before an exercise class starts. I can pull it out and read a few pages. Or while we're at school pickup and the kids are all playing, I can sit and read a few pages. And that feels easier to do somehow than having the paper book. Mm -hmm. I still do prefer paper if I'm just at home during the day reading. That would be my preference. The other time I prefer an ebook, though, is in the evening that I have been getting into bed and then being able to just have all the lights off and Mm. just read a few pages with the low Kindle light has made it feel like an easy transition to going to sleep and just enjoying that versus having our lamp on, which is quite bright Mm -hmm. as I'm reading. And that's another thing I didn't say, but disturbing Andrew with having the light on for a paper book Mm -hmm. makes me prefer the Kindle as well. Yes. For audiobooks, I've been up and down. I listened to several in January, but I haven't listened to any since then. And I think it feels really hard to have open time when my kids aren't around because Mm. I cannot listen to audiobooks when they're around because I feel frustrated about getting interrupted and they feel frustrated that I didn't hear them the first time they asked me something. Yeah. Just not a win. But... I do like them if I'm folding laundry when I'm by myself or doing the dishes in the evening. Though I have more trouble finding an audiobook I want to listen to that's available Mm. when I want something on audio that I Mm -hmm. find myself turning to podcasts more because there's just so much content and it feels really easy. Where with an audiobook, I have to love it right away to want to keep consuming it that way. It is my... Mm -hmm least favorite method of consuming a book, even Hmm. though I enjoy it. But I like the control that I have when I'm reading an ebook or a paper book, and I feel like I lose some of that control in the audio. Oh, totally. Many times you also gain this amazing narration that adds something to the experience, but 
that ability to stop and start exactly when I want and reread things and go back if I miss something or I'm mm-hmm. making a connection and want to go back to that section, that makes them feel more logistically challenging for me to incorporate. That's fair. What I like about audio is that it takes some of the work off my plate of reading, mm. that I can be more passive in receiving it. And I think yeah. that's another reason why it helps during slumps. It's like, here, this is really not that much work. <laughs> Take yes. this book. Yes. And as the weather is getting nicer, I'm hoping to go on more long walks. And mm. I do like audiobooks for that. So any audiobook suggestions, send them our way. Do you find having external motivation helps you read more? I'm thinking things like book club, a Goodreads challenge, or needing content for this podcast, etc. Yes, the podcast definitely motivates me to keep reading, especially if I read a book that I don't love that I don't want to talk about on the podcast. I'm like, well, I better hurry up and read something else really fast. <laughs> yes. The demands from book clubs and the Goodreads challenge don't really do it for me, I think, because I'm kind of meeting those already. Mm-hmm. They're not at the same frequency as the podcast is, for sure. Right. I think they definitely help keep me going when I might have a longer slump, for example. Mm. I don't think that it is the reason why I read by any stretch of the imagination. But if I haven't been reading for a few days and I know I have book club later that week, well... I'm definitely going to start reading again soon, uh-huh. sooner than I would otherwise. And same thing for the podcast, that wanting to find books that are going to be interesting to talk about on the podcast. And right. I appreciate that. I like it. It doesn't feel like an obligation to me. It just feels like a reason to choose this thing I love reading over some other easier thing. Like It's just helpful in making that choice. It doesn't make it feel like drudgery or like I have to be doing it. Same. Do you have any resources that have inspired you to read more or give you good ideas of books to add to your list? I love getting recommendations from friends on Goodreads, Mm -hmm. that function where I log in. I'm like, oh, someone has recommended something to me. That's really nice. And sometimes we've talked about it, but sometimes it's like a little surprise, just a little, Mm -hmm. hey, surprise from a friend, which I really like. And then I have loved on Instagram the recommendations from Virginia Soulsmith, Kate Bayer, and Catherine Newman. They are often sharing what we're reading either via stories or posts, and I really like that. Then there are two newsletters that I've been getting to be read suggestions from for years. The first is Molly Westerman's newsletter, and I've subscribed to her newsletter for a long time. Mm Mm-hmm. And she always is talking about romance, especially, I have gotten from her. And then more recently, I subscribed to the Feminist Midwife newsletter. And she's a midwife working somewhere close to Chicago or in Chicago. But she shares a lot of things. But some of them are books to read. So I like that too. Nice. I've been enjoying this spring the Modern Mrs. Darcy recommendations that she did a spring preview of things that are new that are coming out. Oh, cool. And I added several to my list. And so far, I've really enjoyed all of them. And I know she does a big summer reading list, too. So I'll be sure to be looking at that in the months to come. Nice. I also put on here the Hot and Bothered podcast, Mm. which is a romance podcast produced by Vanessa Zoltan and Ariana Nettleman. And I'm not getting specific 
recommendations of books to read from it. But whenever I listen to that, it makes me want to read more. Mm. When I finish it, I just feel like, yes, books are powerful. They offer us so much and show us our humanity in this really unique way. Mm. And it makes me want to engage with books more. So inspiring. Also a good way to get out of a slump. Listen to some Hot and Bothered. (laughs) Well, we want to end by touching base with all of you listeners about the Friendlier Reading Experience. Over the last year, we have not been making it a priority to put groups together. So our apologies to anybody who has sent one in in the last six to eight months. We know you are interested and we will be connecting with you. We appreciate your patience and understanding. If you have not been part of a group before, what it is is we match about five listeners together in a group and have a guide for you about how to run a virtual book club. And then at that point, it is for you to take and run as you see fit. If that's something that sounds interesting to you, there is a form. I believe it's linked on our Instagram and it's also on the webpage. You can fill that out and we'll be putting new groups together in early May. So From the time this comes out, you'll have about five weeks to get your submission in, and we will be reaching out to you before the summer starts. And listeners, if you have ideas for us about where we should look for things to read, about how you prioritize reading in your life, we would love to hear all of that. Yes. And another spot you can connect with us about that is our Friendlier Reading Experience Goodreads group. So if you are interested in chatting books with us, that's a great place to do it. Let's finish by sharing what we've been eating. I will start. I made a cheesecake in the Instant Pot. Yay! You sent me this pan, I think last spring, and it felt overwhelming to me to attempt a cheesecake, even though it turns out it was quite easy. It's a little springform pan that fits perfectly in the Instant Pot. I think it's seven inches across. I looked up chocolate cheesecake and Instant Pot recipes. I followed one for the filling, and then I made an Oreo crust instead of just a chocolate graham cracker crust. Mm. feel great about that choice. And it was delicious, really creamy, pretty simple to make. It was very rich and not super sweet, the filling itself, but then Mm. having the Oreo crust, I feel like it was a really good balance where you're getting the sweet part, but then it wasn't overwhelming. It was Mm -hmm. much more chocolatey. Highly recommend. Just a little PSA. If you're making a cheesecake in the Instant Pot, you have to cover it pretty tightly with foil. Yes. To keep the steam out because that's basically how it cooks is the Mm -hmm. pressure and the steam. The first time I tried this, it exploded everywhere, which I may have (laughs) talked about on the pod. But when Sarah told me she was about to do it, I reminded her again. (laughs) Did you put foil on it, but not tightly? Or you didn't have any foil on it? Did not even occur to me to cover it the first time. Okay, That may not happen to you because it may occur to you to cover it (laughs) just inherently. But to me, it did not. And if there are other listeners out there like me, public service. You can do this if you use your foil appropriately. (laughs) What have you been eating? I want to talk about a recipe from the site Half-Baked Harvest. This is the one-pot creamy French onion bake. This is a pasta dish that I made that I think may be the best thing I've ever cooked and eaten myself. Mm. It's just this incredibly rich, savory, one-pot 
pasta dish where you cook a bunch of onions, then add stock and wine and cook the pasta in that so that the pasta takes on all the flavor of that. Then you put in amazing herbs and cheese. Then you put in heavy cream. Then you bake it. It's just my favorite thing I've ever made. I think Andrew liked it fine, but I don't think he liked it as much as I did. Mm-hmm. I just loved it. I will be making it again tonight. It's so good. I also made this and it was delicious. I was also the person who liked it the most in my family, which mm. isn't surprising and was fine for me, more for me. <laughs> Never feel sad about that. But I will say, I think I take issue with the presentation of it as a one pot meal and that that is somehow superior. And that somehow makes it easier because Mm. it was a lot of work. It was worth it. It was delicious. But when you hear one pot, isn't this great? I think, yeah, that sounds so easy. And then, no, there was a lot of stirring. There was a lot of chopping. And I would much rather wash a few extra pans Mm. if it still seems more straightforward. I guess the washing of the pans isn't the thing that that is my biggest challenge in the kitchen. That's totally (laughs) fair. I mean, this is not one pot that you throw everything in and then it's over. It required quite a bit of attendance. Yes. And like you said, I think it was worth it, but do not be fooled by the name. Yeah. Get a good audiobook going. Listen to that while you stir some onions. Totally. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Sarah, and with all of you listeners. You can find us on our website, friendlierpodcast.com, on Instagram at friendlierpodcast, or email us, friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. (laughs) With a special appearance from Plum at the end. (laughs) Hi, Plum. (laughs) All right. All right. I think I hear the other one, too, so...